Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 and I'll read to the end of the chapter it says and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Christ Jesus to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him wherefore I desire that you faint not nor at my tribulations for which is your glory for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be fulfilled be filled with all the fullness of God now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us and to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Thank you, Brother Timothy, for reading that. Powerful, powerful passage. Before we get started, Brother Ammon, please lead us in a, just a prayer. And you have liberty, brother, whatever God lays in your heart. Let's pray. Thank you. The title for my message this morning is Battle for the Church Family. I think God's trying to get our attention that we are in battle mode. We've heard uh, Brother Peter nicely uh, challenge us with the fact that we're in a, in a battle with the devil. In fact, this morning I just appreciate uh, Brother Leon's uh, inspiring singing there with his family and just the notice that the battle belongs to the Lord, but we are in a, a battle. And I titled this to uh, just help us focus in on one particular aspect of the uh, battle between Satan and, and God, and that's uh, the church family, the battle for the church family. So this is not all the battles that the devil's interested in waging, but as we look at the, uh, the wisdom in God's Word, uh, which we are admonished today, uplift God's word. Did you know something in Ephesians 4, that there are some powerful, powerful demons interested in simply uh, this 
church and many, many other churches throughout the world in collapsing. They would like nothing better. Because you know what would happen? If that were the case, it would spite God. It would tell God a thing or two because God in His wisdom wants the church to uh, be showing His wisdom. Did you catch that? As Peter, I'm sorry, Timothy read there in uh, Ephesians 4. There is a battle for the church family, but it's even greater than that. The stakes are high, brothers and sisters, because uh, let's just put let's just uh, let's just narrow it down to our church group. What could be at stake is a missionary being sent out to a dark place in the world to spread the gospel, and many thousands get saved because we had a strong knit church family. We we had a friendly, brotherly love that was shared uh, this morning. Maybe the stakes are also high that uh, somebody from here, one day uh, God can use that person to go to an abortion clinic and plea with someone not to abort their precious baby, and that baby grows up to be a doctor who finds a cure for cancer, all because of, uh, of a strong church family to support us doing these wonderful things. The list could go on. The, the battle stakes are high. The, the demons... Uh, I think they recognize this. I think there are, as Scripture indicates in Ephesians, by the way, Ephesians is, a, is an awesome book about uh, spiritual warfare. We're just looking at one aspect of that in, the, in regards to the church family. They, I think they understand that lots at stake here. It's God's honor. Uh, it's God's wisdom. They would love to spite God. You know the story of Job. Uh, Satan wanted to prove God wrong. And God says, yeah, I'm going to challenge you with my faithful men and women. And he uses the lowly local church, if you will. Emmanuel Christian Fellowship. We're a part of that battle. So I, I don't think I'm uh, uh, too far from the reality that there are demons interested in this church falling. It would, I mean, is that fair to say? As we look at, there's lots of kinds of demons out there. and uh, They are out to get us. And... What I'd like us to consider as we look at the wisdom from God's Word uh, today, what we're going to do, we've already alluded to, just appreciate the stakes of the contest, uh, the battle between the church family and, and, uh, and the devil. And then we're going to look at some advantages the enemy has and some advantages that we have. And just finally, uh, what kind of warriors should we be? Let's see what kind of warriors uh, God wants us to be in light of the well, not just for the church family, but, but everything that, uh, the Christian life. But, I'm, of course, focusing on the church family, it, it, it includes uh, lots of other things. Because if you have a strong church family, that will help make stronger dads, moms, boys and girls. Make stronger evangelists, make stronger preachers. And those are awesome. I mean, the, the church family is kind of behind the scenes, isn't it? I mean, you don't just go in here and say, wow, what an awesome close-knit group. I mean, that's, that's important, but it, it can be behind the scenes. That's okay. Because uh, it's all for God's honor. All right, let's take a look at, at some of these things here. Well, as we saw in Ephesians, this is our text, Ephesians, I'm um, sorry, I said, I said 4, it's actually chapter 3, I, I apologize, 9 through 21. And you notice that Jesus had won, a, he's already won a major victory. He, di- he died and rose again, and he did a lot of damage to God's kingdom. I mean, I'm sorry, Satan's kingdom. God's kingdom was furthered, and uh, Satan's kingdom was uh, damaged. But yet, he still has a role for us to play. Isn't that fascinating that even though uh, victory was won at the cross, that he still has 
a job for you and me. That's to show off his glory and his honor. And as it was said in Ephesians there. Okay. Actually, I love the fact that we are in a battle. This chapter in Ephesians, and uh, I think it was Brother Peter had shared in Ephesians 6, too. This gives us so much uh, incentive to live life for, for right. Uh, Leon's family shared they had the song of Do Right. It's a huge incentive to do, to do uh, right in, in church life because we have a battle to win for God, to make God look good and, and to, to defeat the enemy. I'm going to turn here to Ephesians. Yes, and uh, we start at verse 9. And did you notice, too, it's not just all the uh, principalities and powers, but it's to, all, it's to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now, he's, yes, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles being together, but this includes a strong church family. As you'll see here, um, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ. And then verse 10, it was to showcase uh, the wisdom of God through the church to the principalities and powers, that's demons. And then uh, let's skip further down. Brothers and sisters, you notice too how Paul says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So this idea of a church family is uh, just rooted in the, in the concept of uh, the body, the household of faith. It's called the, in this situation, it's called the family. So it's a, it's a, a core group of, of like a loving, tight-knit family. And there's thousands of them throughout the world. You know, there are local expressions, of course. And Paul goes on to, to uh, write about his desire that we know the love of Christ and just the power that works in us. And, and he closes with the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. But the enemy is upset because did you know that they are not only upset that they're insulted, these were, we're, we're the former slaves to the enemy. Did you know that? We were once slaves to the power of darkness. We were slaves to lust. And as slaves, we did about everything the devil wanted us to do, right? Selfishness, the kingdom of lust, is, it's all about uh, living for yourself. And Paul makes this point in, uh, I think it's Colossians, I'm going to... Make sure I got that right reference here. That we were... Yes, Colossians 1.13. I know it's not our main text, but I just want to share this too. Paul says in verse 13 of chapter 1 of Colossians, if you're taking notes there, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption for through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We were in bondage to the power of darkness. And I thought of a, a very good uh, analogy. Uh, I, I was thinking about, you know, the theme of battles and wars and some real-life examples. can be helpful as, as uh, illustrations. And probably the best one, brothers and sisters, is the, this, own, this country we live in. And that's the, uh, the, the uh, civil war that was fought between two armies. Now, why do I bring this up? I want, I want to... 
just point out this is an interesting thing to notice about this conflict between the north, which uh, would be the northern states, and the south with the Confederacy. What was at stake in this battle? Uh, in these, in these uh, later battles, rather, uh, the, the war was not going well for the Confederacy, and that's the southern states, and they had a problem. <laughs> the enemy had many more men than they did. And one reason was because uh, thousands of black people signed up to fight for the Union. Now, it was not the case that they were going to determine the, the outcome of the war. It, the, the North was eventually going to win. But what was not determined was a very, very uh, important thing that probably most blacks felt, black Americans, that was a, a war of honor. And this was this, that the, in, in both sides, uh, North and South, did not think black people could have the, were as good as white people. That's just, that's just a, that was just a given in, in both sides. Even though um, they, the North and South were fighting against each other, even uh, the, the general of the U.S. Army did not, he felt blacks were inferior, even the president of the United States. And although they didn't necessarily need all the, they, they probably could have won the war, but there was one thing that only uh, black Americans could do, and that was proved that black Americans were equal to white they had rights and that they were uh, noble warriors. They were, they were brave. And I see that in, in so far, in a, it's a similar sense with us and God. God has mighty angels. Angels that can do tons more than we can do, right? God himself is, is a powerful being. Uh, well, there's maybe twice as many angels as demons in, in this war. And yet, there's only one group of people that can actually... Uh, do the things that God wants the church to do. And that's you and me. Uh, it's former slaves. Uh, it was former slaves who, uh, or sons of slaves, who fought in some of these uh, bloody battles in the Civil War, and they proved to a society they, could, they, could, they had courage to fight. It, it impressed uh, the Union Army, and the only way they could have done it was actually going out and doing the fighting. <laughs> um, And particularly it was in the 1864 in the battles of St. Petersburg, bloody, bloody battles, but many blacks went to their death. Maybe if nothing else, to, for the, the sake of honor. And we as uh, Christians in our church family, we are fighting not just because we're you know, so strong, and we, but it's actually to defend God's honor and to uh, showcase the wisdom of God. And I think it is very uh, beneficial to study Scripture to say, how, how is this God's wisdom that God, that God would use the church of all, of all institutions to do this? And that's what he chose. God is sovereign. All right. By the way, before, I was trying to pluck my thoughts here. Um, maybe you think you're not that significant of a, of a warrior in the church family. I don't, you might have that temptation, and that would be so incorrect. You might think, hey, I'm not very, I'm not very uh, strong in personality. I'm not very um, skillful in lots and lots of things. 
Well, I'll just share with you in the Civil War battle, there was a, five, a short black man, five foot four inches, Christian Fleetwood, came from a family of 14 uh, former slaves. He was given the highest honor he could give a black person. He could only get so many uh, higher, you know, they, they, uh, they only let a black person get so high in, in, in ranking, but he was given honor for uh, char- uh, charging in, in the face of uh, many of his fellow comrades dying in the Battle of New Market Road, and he was only five foot four, and yet he was a warrior, had a pr- lot to prove to a, what is now the most powerful nation in the world. Only somebody like him, you know, thousands of others could do what they did, uh, regardless of how, you know, short or so how weak you might feel. You have a, you have a crucial role to play in the, the battle for the church family. I just wanted to share that. All right, let's look at, we looked at uh, the stakes are very, very high. Uh, like I said, the, the, the ramifications of having a strong church family, uh, there's so much awesome ministry we can do together, and that's just one local church. And spreading the gospel, uh, holiness, all kinds of great ministry and love uh, with, the, with the strong church family. Yes, we are a family. Well, let's look at the demons. They are out there. Uh, this, is, this is interesting. Let's, let's, let's take a look and, or just kind of think with me here as we look at what are some advantages these, these beings have that we don't have. Because it's fair to love. This is a real battle. It's an interesting battle. It's not all, it's not all uh, one side. They have some advantages. Now, we're going to look later at our advantages, which are uh, awesome. But let's first look at uh, these guys' advantage. Number one, they have experience of how to ruin church families. Would you all agree with that? They've been around a long, long, long time, longer than we have from the beginning of uh, you know, whenever the angels were created. And they probably know better than we do how to mess up a church family. They're, they're probably good at it, and they're probably working. Uh, I mean, we, we can see maybe in our own church family history, Maybe, there was, maybe they were uh, wrecking havoc. And, 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 um, I mean, there's lots of them. There's, there's probably thousands of these creatures spread out in a network. There's no telling. So that's, that's one plus on their part in this battle. We gotta, it's good to recognize advantages they have, and, and hey, it's fair enough. Number two, I wrote down, they're disguised. This is something that you'd almost think is a given in, in battle, but it took the British Empire hundreds of years, really, to change their uniform from uh, red to camouflage. This is now kind of a, probably a given in warfare. You don't just, if you're fighting, uh, you're trying to get an advantage, you want to be camouflage, uh, the color to, to blend in with your surroundings. Um, this, this is a, I'm almost saying this is a tactic of, of battle, is that you, your, your goal is to hide yourself, and meanwhile, kill, go after the enemy. Of course, we're not killing anybody, but we, what, I, what I think this is, is an interesting parallel is that the demons, um, they don't manifest themselves. I mean, did, did a demon contact anybody this week and say, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be after your church family. I'm going to sow seeds of jealousy, uh, you know, petty jealousy, by the way. You're going to be tricked up by it, but just, just so you know, they, they don't play fair, do they? I mean, they're not going to go out and do that. Or I'm just going to sow a seed of self-pity, this is going to be good, but I just I want to be fair and give you a forewarning because I you know, I play fair. No, it's just going to happen as subtle. When somebody shared, uh, we, we, it's fascinating how we were uh, kind of getting to spiritual warfare in our, in our Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school class that is, 
and how, uh, the, yeah, the, the world is ruled by the, the devil and uh, the subtlety of Satan, yeah, or maybe it was Sheldon's best point there uh, as well about uh, the subtlety of what we read and well said there. All right, so they have experience, they're disguised. What else have they got? This kind of goes with disguise here. Um, and by the way, a demon is invisible. <laughs> there could be one close by watches. We, we, we don't know. That's, and God doesn't uh, deem, God in his wisdom doesn't just uh, overpower us with all this information, but it's helpful to know these are real beings. A third one, this, this is a pretty good one, is deception. Um, and I wrote down here, uh, in particular with a church family, uh, not all kinds of other deception, because I think they're working in those areas too, but what I had, I just, I just was trying to narrow it down for the sake of time. Uh, one I think is, it is very, uh, very, 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 very um, detrimental to a strong church family. And you know what I think it is? It's something that's just, I think it's almost a given in our own, our own, our own minds. That is this. It's, it's the... The belief I think they want to foster in every single Christian is that I'm more spiritual than everybody else. I'm more spiritual than everybody else. Of course. Watch out. That's, that, that is a, uh, a powerful deception because it's, it's not saying um, that it's fun to do bad things, but it's actually it, it is, it is uh, appealing to the fun of pride. And that's not a, a good recipe for a strong church family because if you think you're better than everybody else, then of course... It's going to be hard to uh, want to uh, get closer to inferior people. I mean, after all, you, you have such insights, you think. And watch out for those kind of decept- deceptive things. I just wrote that thing down. Look forward to hearing uh, other, you know, in the futures, as we, as we kind of keep that in mind, what are some other bad ideas? I, I wrote down this earlier at, in a, as I was thinking about this message. The devils, the demons make uh, bad ideas seem good. I mean, it's, they don't want to make good ideas seem good, but they, they want to make bad ideas seem good. And I think this is a bad idea, that you're more spiritual than everybody else. Uh, number four, so we, wrote about, we talked about experience of the demons, disguises, deception. Now, and, uh, another one, here's, here's a, a good one to think about too, and this is what in, in, often in battle is distractions. Uh, in fact, I alluded to the Civil War. Robert E. Lee, the general of the, the uh, Confederacy, was uh, a masterful general. Why was he that way? Because he knew how to distract the enemy. <laughs> he, had a, he had a very uh, skillful art of coming over here and sort of distracting the Union armies to go after a smaller group only to have them be surrounded by the, his stronger forces. And it was a, a very... Clever distraction. He did it in, in several battles in 1863. And I think they're even studied today in military history. Chancellorsville, Fredericksburg, because uh, he understood that distraction is, is, a, is a powerful way to weaken your enemy. And doesn't Satan and the, and the enemy do that to us, too? Well, how does he do that? Well, I thought, one, he can get a potential Christian warrior to squander precious time on video games. What, what a powerful distraction. This warrior who could be out there uh, going door-to-door witnessing, a warrior who could be out there taking care of the widows and the orphans, is uh, squandering his ta- talents for some fun and pleasure. 
That's an awesome distraction. I would, if I was the, the enemy, I'd be doing that stuff too. And like in church family, you could have distractions of other, you know, some, again, go, it, could be, uh, it could be something good in your own, in your own um, let's say you might have other priorities in your life. Uh, maybe it may be a good thing like work, and that's, that could distract you from doing the work of building a strong church family. Because let's face it, it takes some sacrifice on your part and my part to make a strong church family. All right. We don't want to be like the, uh, the army in this battle and the Revolutionary War in American history. The Battle of Triton, I believe is what it was. Uh, these uh, men on, was it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, if I remember correctly, they got drunk. They were having a big party. It was, it was a Hessian uh, regiment. And George Washington took advantage of it. He was smart. He was going to uh, attack the enemy. George Washington was for the American side, uh, and the uh, other army was on, working for the British. And he attacked them when they were uh, distracted with drinking and having a fun party. And that was a major battle. Let's not be that way. As, uh, as we look about the uh, advantages of the enemy, they're not distracted with work, responsibilities, uh, things that were bound in time. They, they got... They, they got uh, all kinds of opportunities to wreak havoc in the church family. So that, that is an advantage. I just want to point that out. And also, by the way, too, when, I, when I'm uh, making this, uh, you know, this appeal that we, we uh, work for a strong church family, church doesn't save you. I, mean, I think we, we definitely need a, to uh, make this point. It is not a status of making you look good, but it's God's idea. It, it doesn't save you. We are saved unto, uh, unto good works, but we're not saved by our affiliation with any, uh, any church group. Of course not. Um, it's not about churchiness, it's, it's about a church family, for God's honor, for his glory, to, to further his kingdom. All right, now we're going to get the, we get to look at our advantages. We, we saw the uh, demons, let's look at the church family. We have an awesome advantage, this, that is the incentive of having uh, courage, honor, and love. Better incentives. Um, I, don't, I don't know that the, the, the demons, what, what motivates them? Yeah, they have contempt for God, but can they say to each other, hey, let's, let's fight a good fight. Let's, let's uh, do our best to work together. They don't have that advantage that we do. They don't have courage, honor, and love to spur them on. They got hate, but they don't have these uh, awesome uh, incentives to, to wage the battle. I mean, in the battle, is every, it's really a daily battle, isn't it, to... Uh, Build a strong church family. Uh, either every day we can either be lifting each other up, or we can be sort of uh, apathetic. So courage, honor, and love. These these are uh, great uh, advantages. We also have the advantage of truth and God's word. It's it's the sword, and I I really think I was studying this uh, about how Satan flees. Does that, are you like me? It's kind of hard to imagine Satan actually being scared of me with God's word. I've, I've struggled thinking, well, this, this uh, strong being is able to transform himself into an angel of light. He's got so many powers, and the demons have so many powers. What, how would they be afraid of God's word? And yet, it, it said, resist the devil, he will flee from you. It's a lesson we need to learn well, brothers and sisters, that we have something that the, that the enemy is scared of. 
It was, uh, I'm going to refer to another thing in the Civil War. This, this is a fascinating thing. It was in uh, 1861. A rookie general came to the state of Missouri. And his first assignment was to march up a hill near Belmont, Missouri. He had had experience. He had fought in war, but he, this was his first time leading an army, and he was terrified. His heart was racing because uh, the, the responsibility weighed on his shoulders, and, he, and he's going to face an enemy, and this is, this is frightening to him. And as they marched up the hill, the terror just kept on mounting. Uh, somewhere in southeast Missouri, 1861, the start of the Civil War, and this uh, rookie general, as they got to the top of the hill, do you know what happened? There was no enemy there facing them. The enemy had ran away. The enemy was scared of him. And this general, general who became the uh, leading general in the Civil War was General Grant, Ulysses S. Grant. He learned a powerful lesson that day that the enemy has some fears too. All he was thinking about his own feet was, was the terror of going to battle with this, with this scary enemy. And he, and he realized this lesson in, in Missouri, it was a battle that never happened. The enemy ran away. The, the Confederacy, the, the army was scared too. That he had some resources that the enemy was scared of as well. And he used that kind of philosophy to be aggressive and eventually uh, he, he won the battle for his side. I think we can appreciate that aspect too, that we have uh, an awesome uh, weapon, if you will, advantage, and that's God's Word. So daily being God's Word, and lift up your church family, and, and uh, be strong, a strong warrior for your church family. They, they need you. We need you. Okay, now the final thing we're going to look at is what kind of warrior does God want us to be? A warrior is somebody who fights the wars, and that's what you and I are in uh, war for our church family. We're not the only church, of course. <laughs> if God calls, you know, you, you, we're, we're not saying that uh, this is the only church for you. Otherwise, you leave and you're, you're, no. Every local, this is a message for every local church, not just ours. What kind of warriors do we need to, do we need to have out in the battle lines? Well, number one, it's a wise warrior. Uh, we looked at a few weeks back about chachma, chachma, the, the Hebrew word for wisdom, skillful wisdom. Proverbs, actually the whole Bible has wisdom for us. I think it, it is uh, super important that we have wisdom as we fight this war uh, for our church family. And why is that? Because as, as I alluded to earlier, uh, the enemy has some advantages and, and we have some prejudice against uh, living in, in fellowship with one another, and, and we need wisdom how to um, get along together, right? It takes wisdom. We need to be a wise warrior because uh, so much is at stake. Get along together, and, and uh, as even Paul says, the Apostle Paul, go ahead and turn with me in Colossians 1, verse 9. I think this is related to our topic here. He says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I looked at that word wisdom. It's Sophia in Greek, and it includes skillful understanding, skillful wisdom. So Paul's prayer for, for this church in Colossae was, to, uh, among other things, to have wisdom. And that's super important as we uh, fight this battle to uh, have a strong church family. Okay, I'm.
Yes, also, a wise warrior, brothers and sisters, will not esteem himself better than everybody else. Remember I told you that uh, deceptive thought that I'm more spiritual than everybody else. Don't think that. Philippians says it very clearly, let each esteem others better than themselves. Now that is a tough thing to do. But you're a wise warrior, right? You're, you're going you're gonna to take God's word at face value and say, others are better than me. That's hard to do. I have such an awesome personality. I'm, I am so uh, insightful in God's word, and I have to defer to my brother and sister, and they can irritate, annoy me, and, and, and they're, they're, they're not always uh, right in these things. But if you want to be a wise warrior, look to your brother. And, and Acts uh, elsewhere to give honor. And Romans, it says, give honor one to another. Honor is like respect. And can you imagine uh, if those black soldiers in, the, in these bloody battles, if, if they didn't respect each other, would they have had a success? They didn't know. And the same was true for us in this battle. If we don't respect each other and honor one another, it won't go well for us in the uh, battle. What's the next kind of warrior? I looked at uh, a wise warrior. There's two more, and then we'll be uh, done. And I want you to take to heart uh, that you get to practice the battle even today and, and throughout the, throughout the uh, weeks because it is daily, a daily battle. And it kind of blends in with, our, with the advantages that we have, but I shared how we have an advantage of love. And we get to be Philadelphia warriors. It sounds like a basketball team. The, the Philadelphia Warriors, the, Philadelphia means brotherly love. It actually means friendship love. In fact, I hope you just tell yourself that. I'm a Philadelphia Warrior, not the city of Philadelphia, but the concept, this is powerful. It's brotherly love. Why is it powerful? Because I, didn't, I wasn't raised with anyone. Well, okay, if my family, some of you have family here and you're raised with each other, you know, Peter and John and uh, Joe and Tina, you, okay, you know, you, you have certain advantages, but... For the most part, this is the great thing about church life. You're stuck with a bunch of people you didn't grow up with, and you got to learn to know them and treat them like a brother. And it is supposed to be a wise testimony to God's honor, right? And so, how do you love someone like a brother? And say, well, you're close to them. I go to the, my in-laws' reunion, or you maybe you have a reunion. You're an in. This is the, if you're an in-law, you're kind of, you can kind of relate because you're, you're coming into a situation you didn't grow up with these families. They're real close and loving, and now you've got you to jump on board with the program, but it, it, it's a great opportunity. It actually reminds me of church life, being an in-law. And by the way, I wish they'd write more books on how to be a good in-law because uh, that's important. Because uh, there, it, it, is a, it is a great illustration of what church life is. You jump on board with a bunch of people you weren't related to, and you live like um, brothers. Now, I know there are... Um, Church groups that would go so far as say you live communally, I, I don't go that far, but I appreciate the spirit behind it, that you have a brotherly affection for one another. Uh, Paul says to be kindly affectioned, Romans 12. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Paul is so conscious of uh, brotherly love and uh, a, a warrior for Jesus in, in so far as you're being a loving warrior for your church family. Um, you're, he's got much to say on it. And that was just a verse that came to mind was Romans 12. Uh, I'm just going to turn there because I want to make sure I quote that right. Romans 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another, as if that wasn't enough. What does Paul say? With Philadelphia, brotherly love, 
In honor, preferring one another. And you catch that too, the honor. This is a powerful exhortation, and we can do it every single day. You may not uh, see your brother or sister, um, but you can love them in your heart. They are part of your family, just like you love your blood brother and sister. Hopefully you do. Uh, that's how you should love your, your brother and sister in Christ. This is, this is a great high calling. I, I love that too because it shows that God loves diversity. He brought Jew and Gentile together. He brought all kinds of different cultural groups to be a church and a family, a church family. So what kind of brotherly love, what, what does that look like in its highest form? And I want to encourage you too, I have a, just a couple stories to share, just how uh, self-sacrificial love uh, it is good to, to be inspired by those kinds of stories so you can lay down your life for your church brothers. He said, well, Josh, uh, when am I going to have to do that? I mean, um, unless they're in a fire or something. Well, just like uh, you firefighters, would, uh, you wouldn't hesitate. Jim, you wouldn't hesitate to lay down your life to save someone in a, in a fire, would you? You'll do it, right? <laughs> well, I, that, you, you that uh, volunteer to, to help someone, you may not even know who they are, but they're, in a sense, they're your friend. Jesus says, no greater love than... A, Man shows he lays down his life for his friend. And that's to inspire. I think that can inspire us to um, lay down our lives for our church brothers and sisters. But it may not be, of course, to physically, to physically uh, die on their behalf. But, but in many other ways, you can die to yourself in, in blessing them and, and um, being the kind of loving person God wants you to be. There is a reason that, as far as I know, there is no uh, Catholic book or any state church book that can equal the love of one man that I'm going to mention. I've got several examples, but I want this to inspire you. The Catholic church is super, 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 super powerful with many, many millions of followers, but they couldn't match the love that that I I am reminded of every time I open that book, Martyr's Mirror, on the front jacket cover of Dirk Willems, who lifted a man who had fallen in the ice water. This man was a police officer out to get him. Dirk Willems was a Christian at Anna Baptist. 1500s, I believe in the Netherlands, correct me if I'm wrong. And, oh, remind yourself of this, of this Philadelphia warrior, Dirk Willems. There's more, many more Christians. I just singled him out. It's just a powerful thing. He, I suspect he knew he was going to be captured. If he went back, he, he had a chance to escape. He was running away from the people. And Dirk looked behind him and uh, the police officer who was trying to catch him because it was the state church was against uh, Christians for, for their beliefs for holding God's word to be true. And the man fell in the water, icy cold water, and Dirk could have just said, I'm out of here. That's tough luck for him because he's not even, he's not even my, he's not even my uh, friend. He's my, actually my enemy. But Dirk turned around and ran out, ran out there and grabbed him and got him out of the water, otherwise he would have perished. And imagine the love that that man, that police officer of his day, felt that Dirk Williams saved his life. And the authorities came and they still captured Dirk and he was willing to do do that for the sake of of an enemy. That's uh, Philadelphia love from Dirk Willems, and I share that with like to just point out how you can have all the uh, powerful church institutions, but if you don't have brotherly love, you're nothing. 
I, I am picking a little bit on the Catholic Church here, but they were the, one, they were the persecutors of, of these Anabaptist Christians. And they would have had to admit that there was powerful love there, this warrior for Jesus. And there were many. Or consider a young man from Virginia. Next story. His name was Desmond. Desmond Doss. He was in the army during uh, World War II. And he, Desmond was a conscientious objector. Maybe you heard the story. I just recently heard of it. It, it fascinated me. Um, because he was a conscientious objector, he, he, didn't, he was uh, helping with the medical uh, need. The, he was a medic, I guess is what he was, would be called. And he, he wouldn't carry a gun. He wouldn't kill. While he was in the U.S. Army, people scorned him. Probably called him a coward. Some called him mentally ill, disturbed for his, for his stance. Uh, didn't look like a very powerful warrior, but he was a Philadelphia warrior. And do you know what happened? Uh, 1945, the spring. American army uh, engages in battle with the uh, Japanese in Okinawa, a, a group of small islands off Japan and what would be some of the uh, bloodiest fighting in American history. And Desmond was there. And what happened in one of, the, one of these engagements was the U.S., uh, I think it was the U.S. Army, they went up a ridge, a bunch of them got killed. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was like a booby trap. It was not a good position. The Japanese were stationed farther away and just shooting rockets and missiles and killing a bunch of, of Americans. And the commanding officer, and Desmond was on this uh, uh, regiment, I guess you would say, and the officer said, retreat. He ordered retreat. Everyone go back. And they rushed back to their safety. He commanded them, do not go back there. But Desmond knew there was wounded men who were suffering. He disobeyed the orders of his commanding officer. A very risky thing to do. He went back there at the risk of his life. I don't know how many bullets were shooting past him or how many times he avoided death. But at risk to his life, this uh, country kid from Virginia who was called mentally ill, uh, scorn. Maybe some of the men who scorned him were out there lying injured, dead or lying wounded. He was able to, I don't know how he all did this, but he found one by one a total of 75 men. And I, I don't know if it was single-handedly, but he was able to manage to get these wounded men down a ridge and he, he lifted them down a stretcher. Um, It was an incredible act of courage. And I'm just pausing. I don't know if I had the number right on 75. But I'll just say this. He was so recognized for his courage that this is quite an honor. Not just anybody goes to the late when the war was over. He survived it. Not just every person gets a medal of honor for bravery from the president. But Harry S. Truman actually met with young Desmond so Amazing with his courage and, and self-sacrificial love that the President of the United States, as he was giving this honor to this uh, conscientious, conscientious objector, he said, this is a greater honor for me than being the President of the United States, to give you this Medal of Honor. Because that's how self-sacrificial love is so winsome. In, in light of the fact that he had people scorning him, he went out 
and, and I don't know what the number was, but it, it, was, it, was a, it was a phenomenal feat that he did in the Battle of Okinawa. Final story to inspire you, and then we'll close up here with, some, with, a, with a final warrior. So it's, but this, this, this next story, it, it, it just about sounds miraculous. Uh, and this, is, I don't think this guy was a, I don't think, if he's still alive, I don't even think he was a Christian. And I'm going to get this. As a boy, Shavarsh Kareptian from the country of Armenia at the time, a part of the Soviet Union. It's probably an atheist country. When he was a boy, he was thrown by some bullies into a uh, pool of water, uh, a body of water. He had to struggle for his life to, to survive it. And in that experience, he learned how to swim and swim good. He worked his way uh, to become a, uh, I think he made an Olympic uh, champion fin swimmer. And so like a deep underwater swimming. Uh, and I don't know how old he was, but as it, it just so happened one day, Shavarsh was walking on his morning walk on a road, on a damn road. And there was a trolley bus in his, and this would be Yarevin, Armenia, a country, that's a country, now it's a country between uh, Turkey and, and Russia. He just happened to be walking, and this trolley bus lost control and plunged into uh, the, the lake below. And this is in September 1976. The water was freezing. I don't know if it was a dammed up you know, a, a, a reservoir or what, but without hesitation, Shavarsh uh, ran down, jumped into the water. The bus had plunged uh, 25 feet underwater. 92 passengers were on it, on this trolley bus, which is an electric uh, cable thing. He went underwater, kicked the glass of the window of the bus, started, he grabbed one person, and what was later uh, experts say only one man in the world could have done this, a, a champion swimmer. He went 20 different times up out of the water, grabbing, uh, at the time, they were unconscious people. I, I don't know if he could have even done it with, if they were conscious because, you know, trying to grab somebody. He swam uh, 25 feet each time, bringing somebody out. His brother was on the shore helping uh, to save these people. There were 92 pastors, and most of them perished, but he was able to, I think, rescue 20 or 25 uh, people. And in 25 trips, it cost him... Severe pneumonia, he was uh, placed into a coma, fighting for his life. Twi- I want to make sure, uh, read this right. Well, so many... Lesson there to have better handwriting. Okay, so many days of, of in, a, in a coma because of, because of his selfless Philadelphia love. He didn't even know these people. And he, he commented later, reflected on that. He wondered if there was a, you know, a force in the universe to, 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 to uh, give them this opportunity to, to do right. Well, I would say that was uh, a really testimony to, to the love of God, that he sacrificed. Uh, he, he survived it, but at a cost to his lungs. And Shavarsh, it was, it was heroic. And I think even he was allowed to carry the Olympic torch on, in the Olympic Games, and, and the torch blew out. And some reporters scorned him. As I read that information, I thought if they only knew the kind of thing this man did, would they be scorning that he, that he was, a, it was a courageous man, a self-sacrificial uh, Philadelphia love uh, to lay down your life for your friends. 
We can be that. We can be that too. Brothers and sisters, you might be that next person. God may have you, uh, but it, it may not be as dramatic, but, but to uh, do it for your church family. You can do it. And it starts with this. The, I want to challenge every single one of you because you're all saints here. we got St. Patrick, St. Sheldon, St. Ryan, St. Margaret, St. Elizabeth, St. Ariel, St. Katie, St. Ammon, St. Marie. You're all saints. You get to participate in what Paul is going to tell us to do here. Let's turn to Ephesians. Our final thing is you can be a prayer warrior for Jesus. So we talked about a wise warrior, a Philadelphia warrior, and a prayer warrior for your church family. This is such a strong advantage. I, the devil's got to be scared of it. If we start doing this, uh, watch out for his behalf. But Peter had, had shared uh, previously about the uh, warfare we're waging. We're not killing people, obviously. We have, we have spiritual, it's a spiritual war, and we have God's word. But you'll notice this, brothers and sisters, in verse 18 of chapter 6 in Ephesians, in this discussion on, on uh, spiritual warfare. Paul says this, it's, this is fascinating, Prayer, praying always, after you've done all this fighting with the devil and, and this, this the salvation, the word of God, standing with the, uh, with the truth, with salvation, with the sword of the spirit, notice what he says here, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, I love how he just said that, you know, praying always, and in case you uh, need more reminder, in prayer and supplication. <laughs> Sounds repetitive, but it, it's, it drives home a point that Paul's making. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Church family, are you praying every day for your fellow saints? Uh, Saint David, Saint Matthew, they, they were all saints in the, in the church of God. And I thought I was doing pretty good praying for my accountability group. Well, I'm, I'm really doing good. And I noticed that uh, what uh, Brother Jeremy has shared last week, you pray for somebody, what tends to happen? You start loving them. <laughs> I, had to do, I did it towards people I was, I was bitter against. You start loving them. It just happens. Even if there's nothing else uh, is happening in the spiritual realm, the devil's got to be upset because you're starting to love your uh, brother and sister in Christ even more. Well, why is that, Josh? Well, because you're thinking about them. You're praying for them. It's humbling, too. You're, you're praying, and nobody sees it. You're getting no credit, but you're a prayer warrior to uplift your brother and sister. Do you think it's important to do it every single day? I do. Uh, yeah, but I was, I was even thinking, wow, wow. I looked at the, my uh, church family's directory. That's a lot of people. What, what if you had to pray for each one of them? Oh, that might be kind of repetitious. Uh, and wait a minute. Am I a prayer warrior or not? What do prayer warriors do? They pray. So many months ago, Brother uh, Pat had shared uh, how you can pray Scripture, if I remember correctly. That's awesome. So if you don't know what else to pray for, let's say you, you just say, well, I'm tired. I, I don't know. Pray, bless this person, bless that person. Father, thank you for this person. But I'm, I'm getting tired of repeating myself. Pray different Scriptures over them. Father, I pray that Brother Marcus Ray here will abound more and more in love. Now, you might want to, you might think, well, I, that's kind of, I don't know, that's sort of, is that being critical? doesn't matter. The person doesn't even know it. You can be as uh, controlling as you want of the person, I mean, in, in a good spirit. And, well, make, make um, Brother Josh this way. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying don't ever confront somebody with, with things, but you can, you, can, you can pray to your heart's content about changing this person in your church uh, that you want them to change. Well, you want to pray scripture over them and do it daily because there's a, probably a daily battle they're facing. 
and you can be a prayer warrior for a church family. How about, how about it? I mean, I, I thought I was really doing good last two, two uh, months. I'm praying for um, this brother and this brother. I got uh, Jim and Pat and Joseph and accountability. I'm really, the thought came to me, if you spend a few more minutes, you can pray for more church families. Whoa, is that, is, that, is that true? It's God's word. It says supplication for all saints. And of course, don't stop with your church family. Pray for your relatives, your family, your, uh, your unsaved people you meet. It doesn't take real long, does it? Uh, what about <laughs> our admonition to pray always, uh, be constant in prayer? How do you do that when you're working? I, I think it's, it's, safe, it's safe to say this, brothers and sisters, every minute you spend daydreaming, that could be used in prayer. I just thought about it this week. I'm daydreaming on a bunch of other stuff. I could be praying for um, Chester. I could be praying for my own kids. They're, my own children they are part of my church family. Shekinah, it, what's stopping me? I'll tell you what's stopping me. I so often have told myself, I'm not a prayer warrior, so I guess it doesn't apply to me. I mean, some people have this gift of just, they're, they're such great prayers. Not me. I get bored too easily. Uh, I'm challenged now. I am a warrior for the church family. We are all warriors, brothers and sisters. Uh, if nothing else, be a prayer warrior. Uh, pray that God will help you to be more loving. <laughs> loving it, that God will help you honor your uh, brothers and sisters above you. Pray for yourself so that you can be a support to your church family. And pray for other people too. Well, I, I don't like how that brother, he's so uh, irritating. Then pray that he won't be so irritating. And watch what God does. And not only that, but watch how the enemy is going to be scared. Amen. Learn a lesson from General Grant. There's some things the enemy is scared over. Just like we're scared of, I mean, I'm scared of uh, things Satan can do to, to us to, to a certain extent. But they're scared of the awesome power of prayer. So, as we review and come to a close here, appreciate the battle you're in. <laughs> it's daily battle. Brothers and sisters, you, and you could, you could uh, the stakes are high. You, you could be part of a, of a church that does awesome things for God. I mean, we've done good things. Amen. And we can do, do more. It's a daily battle. And at stake is God's honor, His wisdom. And only, uh, only we in the church can actually manifest that wisdom because God put it on the line. He said, these former slaves to lust are going to be my warriors. And the enemy is not happy about that. I mean, that's kind of an insult to, their, to them. Let's do it. We can do it. Yes, the battle is the Lord as, as was shared because we go on his strength, but we're also participants too. Both are true. Uh, we also talked about the advantages the enemy have. Keep those in mind as you, as you have temptation to think ill of your brother or sister in, in the church family, if you get tempted with petty jealousy or, or feeling sorry for yourself or whatever it is that can, can prevent a strong church family, keep in mind the enemy is disguised. Of course, he's not going to be overt about it. Keep in mind his advantages. And then look at our advantages of, of such tremendous things we can do with courage, honor, and love. These are great virtues to help warriors fight. And you will be, and you can be a great powerful, wise warrior, so you're living, making wise choices. Uh, my, my, um, <laughs> you want to be like a good chess player. As uh, We played chess yesterday with my, some of my family members. Uh, my niece's husband, his name is Joshua too, he said he's a great chess player, and he told me this. He said, chess is a, is a good lesson on life, and I was listening to him. He said, because you learn how choices, how the choices you make affect the rest of the stuff you do in life. So the choices we make amongst each other affects our church family. Whether we're going to love each other or, or have uh, ill will, uh, th these choices we make now 
affect you. It's like a chess game. It affects you later on. You might just move a pawn here. It doesn't seem to matter. But it has consequences. There, there are consequences to our actions. And would be wise. And then, of course, be a loving Philadelphia warrior. Not a, not a basketball player, but a church uh, warrior for your fellow brothers and sisters. Lay down, be willing to lay down your life and, 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 and watch God work. And then finally, oh, please, please, please pray one for another. It, yes, it would take you an extra 15, 20 minutes. And be creative with it. Don't, don't just say, oh, it's, a, it's a rote thing, it's ritual. No, it's not ritual, it's, it's real work. How does it work in, God's, in, in the spiritual realm? I don't know, actually. That um, a powerful being like Gabriel would tell Daniel, and Daniel was scared to death. We read this recently. Daniel was terrified of an awesome, good angel. And the angel told him this, your prayers uh, to God uh, is helping. Because I'm doing battle with the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece, probably similarly strong beings. And Daniel, uh, just little, just human Daniel was making some powerful difference in the spiritual realm. Now, we don't always see that. Daniel got to see that. But that's encouraging that we can be prayer warriors. And you, you're going to be inherently humble doing it because nobody's going to say, hey, I can tell you've been praying for, for all of us and you're doing great. No, but God sees it and, and God's word is true. I'm going with God's word here. Supplication for all saints and that is of great value. So be a warrior for your church family and watch God work even if it's behind the scenes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your skillful wisdom. Help us to be wise warriors, uh, brotherly love warriors. Is what the word Philadelphia says, and help us to be prayer warriors because it is uh, so uh, effective in, in, in increasing our love one for another in the spiritual realm. It has, it has wonderful effects. It, it changes things, and it hurts the enemy as we, as we advance your kingdom. And let's pray for each one here. They will be a, a loving uh, church family member and um, just practice self-sacrificial love. Maybe they, they, can, they uh, need to uh, just assess what, what's an area they need to work on. Is it, is it hospitality? Is it, is it uh, greater teachability? Uh, I was even challenged, Father, with, a, with a, one of the pastors visiting and shared how uh, it, was uncom- it, was un- it was not a common thing that for a church family on Sunday to be uh, not given an invitation for for hospita- for a uh, dinner invitation. It would, they're, they're they're so uh, used to inviting each other over frequently. Sounds like and help us to be uh, just willing to take those extra steps to have a strong, close knit family. In Jesus' name, Amen.